Hey folks, this is John Curry. Welcome to another episode of the Secure Retirement Podcast. Uh, I'm pleased today to have Betty and Phil Ashler sitting across the table from me. Welcome, folks. Well, thank you. Glad you're here. We've had a delightful conversation in the, the last hour regarding your planning on the personal side. But today, our primary focus is going to be to share some of their stories about travel and retirement. Uh, but first, Betty, if you would please, let's start with you. Share with our audience your background, what kind of work you did when you retired, things like that. Okay. Well, um, I retired from Lively Technical Center as an educator um, in 2011, and Phil and I decided that, um, you know, we better start. This was after we had just taken care of our parents and kind of raised our family. And we decided we better look ahead and maybe do some things finally for ourselves. And one of the things, um, working, looking at our finances and um, trying to think about looking forward to traveling and doing some fun things. And, you know, that's what we were going to be talking about here today and enjoying some of those pleasurable moments with you. That's very good. Phil? Well, I... Uh... Came to Tallahassee in 1967 to teach high school and taught at uh, one of the schools here in town uh, for about 14, 15 years. And uh, Betty was out at Lively and she said they're starting a new computer programming class. They said, you know, I've always been interested in, in computers. So I went ahead and signed up for it and uh, went out there at night for about two years. And... Uh, Went in one night, and I was told that uh, the Auditor General here in town was looking for some programmers. So I went ahead and applied, and I got, I think I was the second one from Lively. And I did that for a number of years, and uh, we did the Medicaid fraud. Uh, it was COBOL and Assembler and some of the, the older languages, which I don't think they use today. <laughs> and then uh, the state uh, changed... Uh, who was going to be covering things, and we ended up going to FDLE because they did most of the law enforcement. So I was at FDLE for a number of years and retired in 2007. Uh, my dad was uh, getting on in age, and uh, you know, he needed, I guess, you know, somebody to come out and help him do some things. He was into the computers, he liked to do email, he liked to look up different things. So I'd spend uh, maybe a day or so during the week, helping them do that. And uh, like Betty said, you know, we kind of progressively went through that. And uh, since he was in the service uh, in the Navy, we did do a little bit of traveling, but it was mainly between Washington, D.C. and Hawaii, back and forth a couple of times. That's tough duty, Hawaii. And, uh, <laughs> but it, uh, no, I kind of like to, to see some of the places that he visited when he was in the service. And I guess the, the major, except for going to Canada, where my, uh, some of my relatives, and I think we made one or two trips to New York City where my grandparents lived. Uh, but we really hadn't done that much traveling. And uh, so back around, I think it was around uh, probably 2013, Betty and I sat down and uh, said, you know, we need to go take a trip somewhere. <laughs> so. Betty started looking around, got on the internet, and found the uh, Viking cruises. And uh, so we looked at that, and you have to sign up almost a year ahead of time. So we went ahead and signed up 
for one of the Viking cruises. And that was the beginning of our uh, couple of vacations that we've had. Well, I have an advantage over our audience that's listening to this because we have a lot of meetings two or three times a year, and I get to hear these stories. And to me, it's fascinating. That's why I wanted you to participate in the podcast because it's just wonderful stories you've shared. Betty, jump in and share with us what attracted you so much to the I know we're promoting a company here called Viking, but why why do you like Viking cruises so much? What, what do you like about them? Well, for, <clears throat> for one thing, it's all-inclusive. And, you know, we had heard people just thought it was just wonderful. You know, you don't have to, once you've signed up, it pretty much included the air, and um, they greet you on the other side. And we are not what I would consider that well-traveled. You know, some people have the advantage of, maybe through other experiences in their life, um, they, they are used to traveling abroad. And so we wanted something, at least for our first trip abroad, where we were kind of taken care of. Okay. We, they wouldn't lose us. <laughs> wouldn't lose you. <laughs> wouldn't lose us. So we ended up, we chose, and this particular year that we were looking at, it was the fall of 2014, and that was the 70th year I believe, of the um, D-Day invasion. invasion. Phil's father had actually been involved in that. And um, what was the ship he was on? He was on Nevada, and he was uh, stationed, uh, I think he was supply officer, but uh, they had a number of troops that were going in for the invasion and getting ready to go in for the invasion. And uh, one of the stories that I remember him telling me, and I think he even got uh, an award for it, was that they were down below, had no idea what was going on. And he got up on the bridge and got on the PA system, and it was almost like a sports announcer. He was saying, as we're going in, this is what's happening. These are the boats that are on either side. And uh, Play-by-play description. Mm -hmm. Play-by-play description. And uh, he's always been a very, very good speaker. Uh, He did a lot of things when he was... uh, uh, in college, he did a lot of things when he was in high school, and I've got proof of that because I have a lot of his old papers. I've got old yearbooks, I've got old newspaper clippings, and I probably have ninety uh, percent of what he did in his ninety-something uh, years. Didn't he retire as an admiral? He went in as a buck private in the Marines and uh, retired as a rear admiral. Uh, I think it was back in. Late 60s, 68, 79, something like that. And uh, decided he'd want to go back to Pensacola because uh, that's one of the previous places he'd been. And he still had a lot of friends. And then he got into a uh, uh, little bit of politics. He was in charge of the evening college at Pensacola Junior College. And uh, the, uh, I think it was... Uh, one of the uh, presidents, I don't know if it was Ashmore, or, uh, but uh, they decided they'd like to have another two years, you know, because he only had the first two years. So he ran and became a representative from Escambia County. And uh, he was told, you need to make sure that your first bill is passed. And uh, his very first bill was to require the American flag at all polling places <laughs> which the supervisor elections in a lot of the counties said, oh, no, we got to go out and buy flags now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he, he had a real good political 
Uh, Ruben Askew was a good friend of his. But they got the extra two years for West Florida. And then there were some other things that, that he did. And uh, so well, he pretty is, much... He's very patriotic. Yeah, well, yes. he's always been. We were just <clears throat> trying to look at some of the things that we had heard about, mm-hmm. you know, all through my our married life, and Phil had basically lived that. And so Normandy was a focal point. <clears throat> and that's one of the places um, on the Viking. It was on Paris to the heart of Normandy. And I think that's what caught our eye. Plus, it was the 70th year of the, you know, the D-Day invasion. And so it was a beautiful trip. We were well taken care of, excellent food, um, wonderful people there. They are definitely set out to, you know, make sure that you enjoy your trip. We liked it because, and this is probably true of many of the other um, cruise lines, but they do hire local people. And you really get a good experience of what each particular small town throughout wherever you are, whatever country you're in, they do hire the locals. And they have chosen the creme de la creme. They're great. Well, one thing that I think Good really person. impressed us is when we actually went to the Normandy beaches. Yeah. Uh, there were a number of World War II servicemen on yeah. the trip. Yes. And uh, they actually had a, a small ceremony or was it oh, one, yeah. or, one or two of them? Oh, there. And uh, that were it, what, what, that were in our particular the, travel group. And the uh, oh, it was it was people <clears throat> in charge of the the uh, place we were at. Uh, we went up to kind of a, like a rotunda area, and uh, they had a ceremony. They had some dignitaries from uh, the French government, and then everybody was given some flowers. And mm-hmm. you went out to the grave. And grave picked out yards. a grave. You were to put your white and rose you, on a grave. You found a grave that you were interested in. So, uh, and I forget how many, no, thousands of, Just, of graves in there. The, See, it's very I, I, I special. Love, I love that story. It especially hits me because on that wall over you see uh, mm-hmm. my uh, memorabilia from my time in the Air Force and then also pictures of me on the underflight in Tallahassee trips. Oh, yeah. And... Um, it's just one of those things where just hearing that makes you feel good mm-hmm. and it had to be an emotional experience for you oh. because number one following some of the paths that your father ran that you heard about during your marriage betty and then you're actually there, you're really there. i have a question that popped in my head what advice would you offer someone listening to this that says wow i really want to do something like that but i'm having trouble getting started what mm-hmm. what would you say to that person i think you need to look at your finances and, um, you know, see, is this a trip that, you know, we can afford that will not set us back so we can't eat when we come back? <laughs> <laughs> so don't take food off the table. Don't take order. food off the table. Okay. But it's, for most people that have lived wisely and tried to plan, start some of their planning processes and all, it's very doable, more than you think, even well, we for the average person. We really didn't spend that much money. I mean, no. our... My car was a 96, and I got rid of it last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with 200 and almost 220,000 miles on it. And Betty's car right now is uh, nine years old. Mm-hmm. So we don't go out and get new cars every, uh, every couple of years. Well, Phil, some people would say you're just tight with money. <laughs> no, because, uh, <laughs> well, we do a lot of volunteer work. Right. Uh, I mean, I volunteer at a church cemetery. I volunteer cleaning up the church property uh, once a month with a 
a group of about maybe Sweat seven equity. or eight. Numbers. Sweat equity. And uh, Betty is now on a project uh, doing the looking at the archives that we have from the church and uh, taking the memorials that a committee has uh, gone through and, and documented. And she's going from the more memorials to who's buried in our cemetery, church cemetery. And she has two boxes that are probably about two and a half, three feet uh, long, filled with documentation. Uh, she's been looking up old uh, obituaries in newspapers. She's got wow. a subscription. We're going across uh, the... You know, St. John's has a historic cemetery, basically. Yes. But and, no one had ever really looked at the folks that were buried there as much in detail and to say, you know, what kind of gifts? How did our church get started? And it was in the early territorial days of Florida. And it's just... Fascinating, well, absolutely you, amazing there, information. When you sit finding. there on Sunday morning mm-hmm. and you look at the pulpit and you look at the crosses coming down, all of those memorials, mm-hmm. uh, you look at the uh, uh, the paintings, they're not paintings, stained glass, uh, stained windows. glass windows. Uh, we know they have at the bottom, you know, yeah. in memory of these people. And the, right. the appreciation of the past history and who the contributors in the community were. <clears throat> Um, at that time to get people to where they are now. And a lot of us get so busy, and especially the young folks raising families, they're too busy right now to do that kind of thing. And so we're doing a little bit of it all. We're enjoying trying to travel and look at some of the things that where Phil's um, dad had been and his service, you know, that he had given the country and um, also looking more locally here in Tallahassee and we're trying to leave some contributions ourselves for those that you know are after us so that surely they can look back and maybe become contributors themselves. So I think that's inspirational because some people retire and their idea of retirement is sitting in front of the television all day, mm-hmm. listening, watching to the talking heads, mm-hmm. getting embroiled in political stuff that just gets them stressed out or worrying about right. the financial news. You've not done that. You're, you're active. You're doing things that you enjoy doing. And you'll probably have another 20 or 25 years ahead of you of life because you're active mentally, physically. You're doing the things that keep you sharp. Mm-hmm. For someone listening to this and says, well, I don't know how to get started. So you, you said first the financial side, making sure you can afford it. But I remember you sharing stories with uh, me, April, Jay, other people. In our on our team about getting started. Would you share just a little bit about how you approach things like this? Because you both do your homework. You don't just fly by the seat of your pants. So, Betty, let's start with you. Just a little bit about how you got started doing your research about where you wanted to go and the best way to do it. Well, first of all, I was <coughs> contacting a friend of mine, and I said, you know, we're trying to look at doing some things, you know, in the future. And I was asking her, she was in insurance, and, you know, do you have somebody that you would recommend? And she said, I certainly do. And, um, you know, she just happened to know you, John, and um, thought that that would be a good place for us to at least just start, you know, as a couple Mm -hmm. and come in and see you. And, you know, I thought, well, we don't, we hadn't really thought much about financial planning and looking ahead. And um, this is kind of how we got really referred by a friend. I think, you know, because a lot of times you're trying to reach out, it's very personal information, it's not stuff that you would 
stand out in the town square and say, I need help. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. But, so you sort of usually, for most people, I think they go through friends. And so we're very satisfied. And yep. it's a process. I will say it is a process. Sometimes you don't know the right things to either bring in or the right questions to ask. And um, with professional guidance, I think working over a period of time and developing a personal relationship, that's mm-hmm. probably the best way to do it is working with a professional and developing a professional relationship. So, mm-hmm. well, One thing is, I've known you for years through the scouting program. Right, Boy Scouts. So, uh, you know, when, you, when I found out you were in this type of business, it was... Uh, I think you might have called us. I forget exactly how it got set up, but you know we've been meeting with you for a number of years, and uh, I think you've got a very good reputation in in Tallahassee and uh, all the stuff you do with the different clubs that you're in and the scouting program. And uh, I I think that it goes beyond uh, the work set. Yeah, it goes beyond the work thing because uh, you're interested in other people and you're interested in helping the other people. Uh, no matter if they're Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, Explorers, whatever it is. And uh, I think you had mentioned a little bit earlier that you've been on some of the honor flights. And I think that uh, I've, I've had a couple of friends that have gone on that. Uh, you know, recently. Uh, fairly recently. In fact, one was on the first honor flight. And uh, you know, I've, I've heard real good reports on those. I regret that I'm going to miss the one coming up this year in May. I've been in Philadelphia for a conference on tax planning, so I'll miss it. I wouldn't even be here for the send-off or the party when they come back. But it's very kind words. I appreciate you saying that. The to, to me, our work is important, just like your work was. But it's not just about work. It's having a life outside of work. And how do you want to be remembered when you pass away? Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to be remembered as okay? Uh, Phil and Betty and John, they had great careers End of story. No. And what you're doing, Betty, I'm fascinated because you're learning so much about people. You'll know a lot of history about the people that are buried in that cemetery. And I, I, this is going to sound weird, but when I travel, I love visiting different cemeteries and just looking at the markers and, and sit there and wonder, what kind of life did this person have back in 1800 and something? You know, I'm just fascinated. <laughs> yeah, but I have a I have a curiosity about people. I I, I get along with everybody, mm-hmm. I, everybody. So let me ask you this: Did you apply the same type of uh, approach to your travels as you do your financial planning? Because you've done a very good job with your planning. You know, well, I think done. what uh, you know after we had the biking trip, which is you know a little bit more expensive than than uh, some of the uh, the other trips. But uh, I think the main thing was, you know, go and see Normandy because that was a, a D-Day and, and all the uh, all the stories that people had. The French people are still uh, thankful. Ever grateful, especially the Normandy people. You know, as you ride through the towns on the buses, there's local people telling you the stories of, uh, you know, some of the families and the situations they were in as the, the Germans were going through. And uh, it, it, just some of the, the stories that we see on TV, on some of the history channels or some of those, and you can reflect back on what they were telling us when they were there. And you were there. And we you, were there. you got the experience. In fact, I've got uh, 
uh, I got permission from one of the people to pick up a handful of sand, and it's still in a bag at home. I haven't given it to my, to my brothers yet. Yeah. But Betty and I kind of got interested in history, and uh, you know, I like to watch the History Channel. I like to watch uh, the uh, Mysteries in Museum. So uh, Betty said, well, let's, make, you know, let's take a trip somewhere in the U.S. So I don't know if she, you got a brochure or somehow she found out about the, the American cruise line. Right, the riverboat cruise, the right? The riverboat cruise. That was a fascinating story. Yeah. I want you to tell that story. Okay. And uh, so we decided, let's try one of those. Well, we went from, uh, what, St. Paul to... Well, that we it was a, a couple of things we chose. In the meantime, we won't go into too much detail, but we Phil had a medical condition of vertigo, and it had to do with, we finally figured it out, it needed to be on a pretty strict low-salt diet. Well, rather than, um, we can't just go from one restaurant to another, because if you get snagged up into... Um, something that's a little salty, then we pay the price for that. But on a riverboat cruise, we have kind of learned that once you tell the chef that you have, um, it could be anybody with allergies or anything, um, you can tell them what your dietary needs are, and you're taken care of for the entire trip. Nice. Because you can take excursions off. So we basically, to cut to the chase, we've had two... Um, riverboat cruises. The first one was on the Mississippi from St. Louis. Uh, Instead of going south to New Orleans, we had been in New Orleans before and we still would maybe want to do some of that again. We took the St. Louis to um, St. Paul and um, is it Minneapolis, Minneapolis, St. Paul up there. Beautiful, beautiful trip. And the entertainment is just really, in fact, is just top-notch and professional. It's very much the Viking cruises of the Mississippi. The people were just as professional and it's pretty much the same pattern of they stop in the little towns along the way up the Mississippi River. When you travel at night, you, you leave, right. leave you know, usually after dinner and you can feel the, you know, it's a very slow trip up, up what, six, eight, ten miles an hour up the river. It's wonderful. And then you get to a new port the next morning and you go down, you have breakfast and they have excursions. You might see a shirt docking or something. And then they have three buses that actually follow the boat. Mm. Uh, and you get on the buses and you're out for the rest of the day. And one of them, tell Phyllis, tell you about the German, the trip we went to um, to be with a German family, oh, several generations of a German family that were farmers there. And they put us on a like a hay wagon and took us all out into the cornfields and took us back to their um this was their home and took us to the back part of their home and it was the hundreds and hundreds maybe thousands of acres of cornfields and the whole family was there where was that located oh, i you remember ask that. About halfway on the trip wasn't it? you know john unfortunately i'm not going to bring that name up it was near um it was is it bright part it was like i don't remember it that. was I'm sorry, I can't that's remember okay. that. But the that's, point that's being, it was a local family. With We were there among the cows and all. Then we got right back onto the boat and went back up the river, and we went to another one in, I think it was La Crosse, Wisconsin, and it was um, a combination between a Norwegian village and the American Indians. And they where they had um, joined together a generation or so back, 
and they had um, a trading facility there, and they had how they had lived together in the early pioneer days. And they took us on a bus again into some of these old pioneer villages, and they showed us that an Indian um, descendant had gotten on the bus and told us the whole history of um, his family and how they came there and how they became friends with the Norwegians. It was that a cooperation between the, the two groups. It was a yeah, it was a um, a meeting of the two groups, and the history of our country is just amazing. The American experience is especially. Um, exciting when you actually get out to experience it. Yes. And it's all local people. And it's local people that it's are telling you the story. It's not something that's just um, people have learned in college and all these are the locals. And the nice thing on the, uh, the riverboat is they actually have a, a river lorian. And he's, if he's not giving a lecture downstairs for an hour or so, telling you about what's going on the next day, he's up in the just below the wheelhouse, so you can go up any time from like eight o'clock in the morning to mm -hmm. seven or eight at night, and ask him questions. You can look at the charts, and, and this he was had entire, actually lived on the river he himself lived on the as river, a young boy, and kind he of had like all Mark kinds 20. of stories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he uh, really knew the river. Different types of things that he's seen. They had. Uh, he knows the natural uh, history. The natural history, uh, and then just the. You know, you uh, sit out, everybody has like a veranda. So you sit out there and just watch the people waving at you as you go by. Because it's probably 20 feet, 20, 25 feet, because where the boat is and the shoreline. It's a very narrow section of the river. And, uh, well, some parts and other some parts. Some parts and then other parts were yeah. wider. But uh, you'd see kids out there playing and. Uh, you know, they'd stop and wave, and so it was... Uh, and up toward Minneapolis, there was an Eagle Center. There was a, a, a nationally known um, Eagle Center, and some of the birds had been injured, and they have to have um, special permission to keep the birds there and use them for educational purposes. But then you're right there in their natural habitat, so you can see all the eagles flying around, and they're able to tell you um, it was probably a 30-minute discussion down in the Eagle Center, you know, all about the bird's life and everything and how that particular bird was injured, the one they're able to show you up close. And then you go out on the veranda, which overlooks the Mississippi, and all these high banks, the Mississippi gets quite high as you go up further north, and the birds are flying around. And so then another in the next night, you're docking in... Um, is it St. Paul and yeah. one of the Twin and then Cities? You see there. more of the city types. And then you see definitely the urban and the real modern mm -hmm. cities. So it's quite a contrast between the lazy Mississippi and yes. you know your final deportation there in the um, in St. Paul. So it was a beautiful trip. And, and about a year or so later, yeah, we took another. And he said, you know, let's look at another one. So we took the. Uh, uh, Lewis and Clark expedition trip, and uh, I'm trying to think. It was on the Columbia and the Snake Rivers. Columbia and Snake River. Unbelievable. So it was everything from a high-speed boat trip up the Snake River. Well, they have different uh, excursions. You signed you up can for different take, excursions. And, you can, and of course, our advice is we're fairly active people. Um, I'm <laughs> 
we're, we're in our early 70s, and um, at least at that time, and um, we took all the excursions that they offered pretty much. I mean, there's many selections, each one, but one of them was a jet boat trip up the Snake River, and you just go down, and the the um, topography is amazing in this land. You go from desert to um, barren mountains to um, places that are... Anyway, they had one place that the jet boat went into, and um, you just... Uh, I don't know. Well, they Oh, they had a person there to meet you with um, hot tea or coffee and a cross, uh, cross uh, a bun or mm. hot cross bun. And then they had a lot of... Uh, animals, turkey and things like that. Yeah, they did. I that that. I guess he would feed, but the unusual thing is there are no roads. There are no roads in this. The houses are brought in by helicopter and assembled <laughs> or brought up on, on a boat. It's really... And those, you know, you might see a little road between... Two so houses. you're out in the wilderness? You're out yeah. in the wilderness. Yeah, you yeah. are. If, if this and, is along the Snake River, you'd have to look at the map again, and it's very mountainous through there. And so you're literally... They, the boat has to go at a pretty high speed to get up above the rocks, just enough to scoot above that. And you would see people coming down in canoes and kayaks. And, and they um, tell you about the history of the yeah. area. And what we were doing, the purpose of that trip, was to follow um, the trip that Lewis and Clark took and the little Indian girl that went with them, Sacagawea. And you just go... How do they do that? Yes. You end, you I end mean, up at the fort. most of us can hardly walk down to the corner grocery. <laughs> right. But you end up at the fort at the end of the Columbia River. Yeah. So I, yeah. Let me jump in for a second. I'm listening to this. I'm so fascinated that I'm, I'm asking myself, okay, you have to sign up I, I want to do it myself. <laughs> yeah, and also, but also I'm wondering, is this something that, for those of us who have grandchildren, like mm -hmm. uh, my 12-year-old grandson, is that something for a, a youngster like that or not? Portions of it. Portions, portions of uh, it, yeah. No. No. I, I think the boat trip would be great for them to see the animals and things like that. Uh, and I guess... It's an older... It's group. more of an older... Okay, got it. Older I wouldn't necessarily... I, I don't remember seeing any children. We on didn't okay. see children on, on this one. There were maybe some teenagers. Mm -hmm. uh, that um, were, you know, take not care so much. Of it's more of an older... But I'm not sure if they take children on them. I'll check on that. But yeah. for me, another takeaway, you mentioned Mark Twain. Mm -hmm. I'm a big uh, fan of reading Mark Twain uh, and reading a book about him right now. And I'm just fascinated by what you're saying because that popped in my mind of all the stories about the Mississippi River. And then the other thing that popped in my head, Betty, is I've been to Europe several times. Mm -hmm. If I go again, great. But there are so many things I like to do in this country. Mm -hmm. And I Beautiful. hear so many people say that. And I'm sure people listening to this are like, I had no idea that you can do those type of trips. You can. You and absolutely learn can. so much about our history and our nation. It's patterned on the, it seems to me, the um, American version of the Viking, which is up and down the Mississippi, which is, of course, the main waterway there. And the then, American Queen and the American Empress is the one that goes on the Columbus. That's Saint. their Western name. And they're expanding. In fact, they just... Uh, yeah. What, six, eight months ago? They have a duchess. Uh, have a, the duchess, which is a brand new... Uh, it's what they do, they take some of the old paddle wheelers mm -hmm. and refurbish them. And that's the queen and the... the uh, and they're the just beautiful. But there's a brand new Absolutely. one that I think might have been constructed. But it's uh, the elite version going up. I've been on one riverboat cruise and it started in New Orleans and it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. and it was awesome. Yeah. And the entertainment it. is very professional. 
Um, it's very retro. You were mentioning Mark Twain, and actually, we stopped at Hannibal and went yeah. through all of that. And all the, the gentleman that was on our boat was definitely, he, they had, of course, employed him as a professional mm -hmm. to do this, but he gave um, a talk one evening, Dead Ringer for Mark Twain. Yeah. You would have loved it. It was just, and I mean, he. it's almost like you want to follow him around <laughs> the rest of the trip, yeah. the poor man. So, Mr. Twain, Mr. Mr. Twain. Twain. I mean, he like has it. it down pat, and he was just... So the part, and if you really like know a, it from what you've read, good old Samuel Clemens. Huh? Yes, you would. Oh, you would. It's <laughs> like a Broadway that. show. I mean, it's a full. It program. really is, and these people, the young people that travel. Um, in fact, this one young couple that was um, in a, this professional entertainment group. They did. We just happened to get the tour boat for the. What was it? The um, band. It was uh, the um, big band era. The big band era. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought, oh, I don't know if we'd like that. Oh, it was fabulous. And the young couple that was dancing uh, had gone to school with Ansley, Lyndon Tom's daughter. I'll be darned. They I, all knew I, each other. I, I wish people could see the expression on your face right now, the two of you just mm -hmm. sharing this experience. It's just like your eyes are bright and big smile. Just, just fond memories, isn't it? Yeah, fond memories. And you plan for that. You do plan for and that. And then the, yeah. the last trip we took was last fall. And uh, our, our son and his wife had just gone up to a conference in New York City. And they said, you know, you ought to go up there. So Betty got on the Internet and started going through and, and said, okay, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And she actually had all the arrangements before we left. And we took those up to AAA and sat down. They made all the arrangements for us. And uh, it was a family genealogy. It was, it was a family genealogy because my grandparents lived in Brooklyn, and that's where my dad grew up. And uh, we hadn't been up probably 30, 35 years uh, to New York. And I think that's when we drove our van up. And did camping all the way, <laughs> and then went out into Canada. Well, You're talking about the fun. 35 years ago, right? Not, not the one in Yellowstone. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't think Betty would want to camp long. Uh, so we decided, no, 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 let's, no. let's go up to New York. So Betty <clears> had our itinerary for about five days, and then she said one night we were eating dinner. She said, "You know, I said you hadn't seen your cousins in a long time. Well, I hadn't seen my cousins. Some of them in almost 50 years." And uh, she said, why don't we just take a, a side trip out of New York when we get through and go up to Canada. So we went to AAA and they said, yeah, you can do this, this, and this. And they had a car waiting for us in Syracuse. But, but we flew into New York and uh, got a, you know, a fairly modest uh, hotel room. And let's talk about um, Manhattan first. Yeah. And... Then, yeah. and uh, so we were talking to one of the ladies, and she said, you know, we'd like to see a lot of things. And she said, well, the easiest thing is go out here, grab a taxi, and let them take you wherever you want to go. And then Betty said, well, also sometime we would like to go visit a couple of the cemeteries. Well, where the cemeteries are in Brooklyn, you're not going to find very many taxis. So she said, I can get a, a driver for you. And he would take you wherever you want to go at so much an hour. And it was the we best said, thing well, we that sounds did. good. And it was very inexpensive. 
compared with uh, a couple of taxi rides, it was sure. about the same. And you have somebody there waiting to take care right. of you. Because the cemetery, and this is a very special cemetery to know about, not everybody is interested in cemeteries on every trip, but if this is Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, and Phil had already done the research on the Ashler family and found a couple of graves back there. And with it being a 500-acre cemetery, it was important to um, work quickly and efficiently, you know, mm -hmm. because hiring a private driver, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it was well worth the money. It really was. But the, the way the cemetery, let me show John how this looked, you feel like you were back in Europe. And if you um, look up the history on this particular cemetery, you felt like you were back in Europe. Wow. And then there that's were 500 the actual, acres, yes, the all behind That's the big building. That's the big, that's the... Folks, what I'm saying here, side. this photo is just beautiful building that you would never think you were at a cemetery. It's like It's really. like a, a church or something And their chapel in inside looks just like a cathedral in Europe. It, it is beautiful. It's a very well-known cemetery. And once we got to doing the research on that, it actually was um, a Revolutionary War battlefield. And when you look uh, at it, up. it's up on, it's high, it's located quite high. It's, it's around the Hudson and East Rivers, and it's up quite high. So... Ge um, geographically, it's a perfect battlefield for the um, ships that were coming in the New York Harbor. And then after all those days were over, um, they turned it into a cemetery. The cemeteries in the, um, in the churches, churchyards in um, New York were beginning to fill up, and they were not very nice. And so New York citizens got together. And this, of course, they have many other beautiful cemeteries as well. So a lot of times we think of New York, we all think of Manhattan and Broadway, and we did all of that too. But a cemetery, if you're interested in history, and in our case it was more personal because of the family members that Phil was looking for. Well, we found one of the graves, we one did. they think might have sunk already. And uh, But I got... I've got five different spellings of my last name on my dad's side. And uh, so I've got pictures, and I sent, took a picture and sent it to my brother uh, on the phone. And he said, oh, I didn't even know that. But uh, Well, the driver got very the involved. The driver was very interested in what we were doing. And he and, actually was uh, very helpful. He's, he's the one that actually... Got somebody to show us where the grave was. He got out and found, helped us find he the superintendent for the particular section of the cemetery that we were looking at for the Ashler graves. And he said, this is how you do it. You go over and talk to the man who's mowing yeah. the grass. Right. <laughs> and but so we did that and we found it right hill, away. Mm -hmm. uh, just mm -hmm. a little bit and got to the top. And there were a lot of, uh, I guess, Leonard Bernstein mm -hmm. uh, had a, has his uh, monument up there. And then there's a lot of... Uh, we turned around, he said, yeah. look at this. And they had actually manicured the trees in a certain way. And they said, this is going to be something special for yeah. you to see. And you turn around and you could see right straight through the trees the way they had manicured the trees. And you could see the Statue of Liberty yeah. from way high so up in the cemetery. And he wanted us to place. go there. And it was only a couple of blocks from the family grave site that Phil had seen. So that was a special time. So that was one, pretty much one day. Yeah. And then the rest of it, 
and the rest of it was typical tourist to, uh, more things. Yeah. Took the circle line tour. We took the. Uh, Hang on a second. Liberty. Let's yeah. tell people what that is because I've done that in New. I go to New York City about once okay. a year. So tell people what the circle line tour is, Phil. Okay, circle line is actually going around Manhattan, and uh, well worth doing. It is. You get, you get on the boat. You see a lot uh, of stuff. And I forget how many hours the trip is, but uh, they're telling you stories all the way around. Uh, and uh, you know, we, we were asking some of the people, uh, you know, I remember this. Oh, yeah, that's that's over here. And then they talk about the uh, Palisades as you're coming around. Uh, document all the, the buildings. And then another time we went to the uh, the 9-11 memorial. Very powerful. Very, very powerful. Yeah. Uh, we took all the tours that they had for that. We went through the museums, kind of in a basement area. Yes. And they actually have some of the recordings of the pilots. Uh, One thing I want to point out too, Phil, on every place that we went, wherever it was in Manhattan or New York, um, there are different companies that have guides. Um, we, we used a particular company, but um, the young people there that were trained, you know, sometimes we hear, oh, the young people are not doing this in the country or not doing that. We were just absolutely amazed mm-hmm. at the knowledge statue, statue and the professionalism of our particular guides that we got. Um, they were all different nationalities. One even was from what Germany, maybe, and had a green card. He knows more about our American history and all the things. Fabulous people. And, of course, you never know who is going to be in your particular group of 10 or 12 people. Right. They would limit the number of groups. And if you really um, want to know um, about your American um Places, your special historic places, um, icon places. Um, these people, I think, are well worth the money. And the nice I, thing is, totally agree. Not, not is, only in Europe, yeah. but uh, on all the trips we've taken. In fact, the one in uh, uh, New York City, you have the little earphones. Earphones, yeah. So you can walk, you know, fifty, hundred feet away, and still. Hear everything. The people are saying. I but we had a very good Excellent. guide for the uh, Statue of Liberty trip. Let's hold that. I'm going to okay. come back to about Ellis right. Island for a second. The when I went, well, uh, right after 9/11, the January after it occurred, I was in New York City, and that was just like overwhelming to see mm-hmm. that. And then every time I'd go, I'd go back. Mm-hmm. But you made a comment about the the new museum. That is overwhelming. Oh, it's when you walk wonderful. through there, you'll see people that are just like. They're so reverent, so quiet, mm-hmm. but then you'll see people weeping. And uh, just, you're talking about it, just gave me chill bumps again about that experience. Talk about, did you do the Ellis Island tour? That was we the next did. thing I was going to mention. And I'm not um, sure exactly whether my family came in through that or not. Uh, because, there's, there, like I said, there's five different spellings in the last, just on one side. And then there's some other uh, people on the other side. But the guide we had there was another, he was the same one that we had for the uh, Statue of Liberty. He had pictures of some of the historic uh, things that had happened. And just the stories of uh, what the people had to put up with. Oh, it was the, uh, uh, One of the, the stories that uh, really hit us was 
uh, she said, uh, he said, let's go downstairs and look at some of the other stuff. And you went through, and there were three doors. And, and they said, well, which door? Well, you pick any door you want. And so I picked one. I think I was in the right, Betty might have been in the middle one. We all got down to the bottom, and he said, okay, how many went through the middle door? And two or three people raised their hands, and he said, you guys can stay. The ones that went through the outside door, you're going back to the old country. To the reason being, well, I've almost forgotten the door story, but there were, they looked at the people very, very carefully and they chose them according to their medical dish issues or were their physical issues. And they even had um, some of the older, they had the older immigrants to see if they could climb the stairs with their heavy suitcases. Mm. And now that we're in our 70s, can you imagine having crossed the ocean mm. and then asked to go up a, a lot, a number of stairs with a heavy, and their baggage was certainly not light. Not in those days. Like not in those days. But some had no baggage to speak of, too. They had no baggage. But if they looked like they were struggling getting up the stairs, they did not necessarily, they were not necessarily allowed to enter. And another story they had was the eyes. They had eye exams, and they had something that was almost like a button hook, and they would turn the eyelid up. And because they thought they might have seen some redness in the eyes, and it was, um, I forget, what is the eye condition that causes blindness? But at any rate, they didn't know about sterilization back then. Oh, my. And so the same instrument that was used for the person up there that they might turn away that where they could see it visibly and all, then they'd use that same instrument on the person behind them. Well, in a same family, some of the people that they had determined had this eye issue, had to go back to the old country, and then half of the family maybe didn't have it, according to what they had seen at that time. So then you would have to make a decision as a family. Who is going to go? Who is going to stay? Are you all going to go back? Or are you all going to, well, they couldn't all stay. And can you imagine having crossed the ocean in the types of vessels that they had at that time. Mm-hmm. It was one, a very sad thing yeah. going on. The one kind the, of unusual uh, thing, yeah. since we've got grandchildren, Betty said, let's go into the store and get some stuff. And Betty oh. found some nice books. And I think we got... Oh, this you, you know, need to know from a business point of view. <laughs> uh, but uh, we got up there and... Uh, you know, I think it was maybe $80 worth of books and pamphlets and things like that. And Betty went up and she said, how much? And he put her card in, declined. And we said, well, what's the story? Because we had just had our cards verified, verified for the vacation packages to New York. what states we were going to be in, yeah. you know, and so, how all that uh, cleared up. I said, well, let me try mine. <clears throat> declined. <laughs> so we I felt said, pretty okay, good. well, we'll, you know, we had some cash with us, and I said, we went ahead and paid for it. We went out the back door and called the credit card company. And they said, uh, you know, we don't Fine. see any, any problems or anything on it. And we said, you know, well, we could we got, not understand got that. Declined. We got back on the boat, but he said, where are we? He said, we're in New Jersey. <laughs> right in the middle of the <clears throat> river, there is the state line. 
So I'm glad that the credit card company. Everybody needs to remember this. Oh. Ellis Island is just a toehold over or into New Jersey. Right. Or so what, and my cards, our cards, I had never thought. For New York. It, we had only cleared it for New York. Let me see. Let's make sure we're clear because this is a extra tidbit. This is a yes. bonus, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this. So what you did is you let the credit card companies know where you were traveling. Oh yeah, you to protect ahead, your. To protect. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, see, I've never done it that way. When I, when I travel, I'll let the bank know where, where I do business if I'm going to use my debit card, okay. and I'll let them know where I'm traveling because Pat and I got a call, got a phone call at the same time at Disney one time. Mm-hmm. They said, uh, where are you? I said, we're in Orlando, and we had charges. One was in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. one was in Chicago mm-hmm. where somebody was trying to use her card. But that is fascinating. So when you're traveling, we call ahead. you let them know. We, we've been asked to do that through our credit union. It's to call the vacation package. And therefore, we told them New York and the different places we would be in Canada. So we were all clear. But not However, New Jersey. <laughs> In the, in the middle of the what what is it the Hudson or, River or, or whatever could have been the it's right there the and Billing Ellis and Island is just a toehole yeah. over yes. where the state line comes to the middle of the river so that's, that's true do remember that everyone and I love taking the ferry over there I haven't yes. done that in several years so, so it's good that was the reason and we were very concerned <clears throat> since we're on this and I know we're way over time here so if you indulge me just a few more minutes here from the standpoint of when you walk into the that hall. Remember all the little desks. Yes. Where people were checked in at customs. Mm-hmm. Tell me what your initial reaction is when you walked and you saw all those. I, I'm gonna call them like a little tables for lack of a better term. But I was overwhelmed by that. What well, also uh, when you go outside where we went out to call the, the company, they now have a monument that goes all the way around the courtyard with all, with all the names. Have you seen that? No, I have not oh, seen that. John, I think it's, it's fairly it's so new. Amazing. It is. I'm going to be there in October. I'm going to see if I can get Do go by and see it. that. It but is the, just uh, so amazing. You impressive. can actually go online uh, through the, uh, I think it was at the Liberty Foundation. I'm not sure now, Phil, uh, but they have That was Island Foundation or something. But you can do some genealogy on that. And there are a number of people around you can ask. But they have on this wall. They have the names of the of the people that of came the in. different years that they came yeah, in. That they came in. And they have it um, on a I brochure where you can look for your family's name. I think I might have found one or two. And it's on a computer. The but they're now. also building a brand new center, and it won't be they're open until the, the summer of two thousand, maybe it's nineteen, a, a year from now. Redoing the old. They're hospital. redoing the hospital, but that's a bit down the road. But Phil, the the new, um, what do you call it, entranceway. The, there's a brand new, they had a wall up there, you know, how they and keep they everybody a, off right now. But in a year and a half, so that would be maybe the summer of 2019, there's going to be a there's brand There's a side new, tour you can uh, take that actually takes you down kind of the catacombs. Mm-hmm. Of mm. We didn't do that one because we had to get back on the boat. But... Uh, but it really walks you through the steps of what it was like to be I, an I immigrant think, coming over. Yes. I don't think the history that we had when we went through school Reflected. is necessarily being taught today. Because I don't think a lot of people realize what the, people had to go the through. Hardships, right. The hardships, the absolute hardships. Right. The stories, had. I'm thinking of a gentleman that uh, came here from uh, Austria 
dear friend of mine passed away a few years ago. He came here with $20 in his pocket, could not speak English. Mm-hmm. And he, he worked his butt off, became a psychologist, and was just an awesome man. But he, he always remembered that he had to work for everything that he had. And we have so many examples mm-hmm. of people who mm-hmm. endured so much to come to our country. Mm-hmm. And you didn't hear them complain a whole lot. No. They just did what mm-hmm. they had to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Let me switch gears for just a moment and ask you. These are these are wonderful stories you've been sharing. We could stay here all day. I'm glad I could remember them. I'm glad you did. <laughs> and, and I'm going to I'm going to pick on Betty a little bit, folks. When oh, we no. first started this, Betty was saying, "Oh, I don't think that uh, we'll our interview lasts more than five or ten minutes." And we've been going at this for fifty-two minutes now, wow. by the way. But let me ask you this: closing thoughts. What would your advice be to people that have retired and they're not quite sure what the next chapter is? Because see, you retired. But you haven't expired. No. You've kind of gotten rewired and excited about life. So what? We'll start with you, Betty. What? Actually, we'll start with you, Phil. What advice would you offer the men out there who they've been so consumed with their work over the years, didn't really pursue other activities necessarily? But what advice would you offer for someone like that? Well, I, I think you have to kind of look on two different sides. If you've got children or grandchildren then naturally you want to spend a lot of time with them doing some things. If you've got elderly parents, you might have to spend some time with them. Uh, or both. Know, or both. Or both, yeah. And we actually had that. We had, uh, uh, you know, both sides. We had parents that lived, uh, you know, pretty good life. And uh, I, like I said earlier, I retired a little bit earlier. Betty retired a little bit later. But I think to stay active. You know, mm-hmm. get in either a, 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 like Kiwanis or, or some of those uh, clubs so that you interact with the other people in town. And then I think you need to get in some type of uh, area that you're really interested in. And give back uh, to your community. And give back to the community. Uh, I've got several things. I've been teaching the amateur radio classes in town for almost 30 years. And uh, I'm uh, found out the other day they want another class coming up, so we're going to probably have a class in that. Uh, we do a lot of cemetery uh, work in church, work. and I've been doing that for about the last ten years, helping mm-hmm. keep the cemetery up. Betty's doing the genealogy of the people in the cemetery, mm-hmm. and I think, like you said earlier, don't sit at home and watch TV all the time. We watch a little bit in the morning, we watch a little bit at night. And that's it. We're, we're doing other things. And I think to keep yourself active. And, uh, you know, if you've got uh, a trip you'd like to, to take, you know, sit down and Plan look at it. your finances, mm-hmm. save some money for that, uh, and then go ahead and take the trip. And do it while you're healthy and you can enjoy it. Exactly. Because yeah. you're a more interesting person. And I think even for your children and your grandchildren, it's setting a good model for them. Um, you know, America is a great country. Um, it's not perfect, but it's a great American experiment. And you can look at it as a glass half empty or full. And we're finding it very uh, filled with wonderful things that we still in our country want to see. Absolutely. And share with other people and um, let them know that there is a good life out there. You know, and talk to other yeah. people that are yeah. taking trips and say, you know, yeah. what did you see when you were on those trips? And yeah, they say, well, you know, I didn't care for this. And, well, I'm not interested in that. But, uh, you know, let's get a trip that we want to take. Mm-hmm. 
So Betty and I will sit down and we're you know trying to think where we want to go next. I love and, that. Uh, I love that. Uh, then we'll sit down and look at our finances and maybe skip a little bit someplace and and see if we can't do it in the next couple of years. But try to turn it into something that's positive for our family and you know makes us more interesting people enriches our lives and I think in that way you can pass it on to your own family and maybe to others around you and make you a better contributor for your community. Absolutely. And that's that's why I put together the podcast series because a friend challenging with this, you know, you have so much knowledge yourself but also access to other people that you work with. Why don't you start doing a podcast? And I, I I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I said, "What's a podcast?" <laughs> and he said, "It's a way for you to allow your clients and other people, you know, other advisors, to share information to all the people in your network, your clients and prospective clients, people who want access to knowledge." And you don't have to get on a plane and travel somewhere. They don't have to. They can listen to it in their car, listen to it on their iPhone, their iPad. And he's been right. And I just, I just thank you so much, Betty and Phil Ashler, for enjoyed, sharing. Enjoyed it. And uh, and most important, thank you so much for the relationship we have. It's been a pleasure working with you all these years, and I hope we have another thirty years together. We do too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, okay. and, and well, folks, I, I hope I hope you've enjoyed this, and um, uh, I'm gonna try to have them come back another time and talk about some other topics. But this has been great. Thank you again. And then tell us the trips that you take. <laughs> well, I'll do that. But these podcasts are about you, folks, not me. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you, John. If you would like to know more about John Curry Services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Charter Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care. Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities, products, and services and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Financial Representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances, not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System. The Living Balance Sheet and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Copyright 2005 through 2018. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or Guardian and opinions stated are their own.